scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mary Angela. Yay! Yay! And this is episode 75 of Dead Time Stories. So this is our fourth episode of our second annual Guestoberfest. It sure as shit is. So during the month of October, we like to have guests on each week as a special little like treat for you guys and a treat for us. October is busy season. We like having guests. It's a little easier on us. But also we don't have to do as much work. <laughs> as much, right. So it's, like, it's not going to totally eliminate it. But also it's just a lot of fun. I love having yeah. guests on. I think it brings a whole like new energy to the show. And with guest episodes, you never really know what you're getting. Yeah. So it's super, super fun. We don't. We don't know what they're going to talk about. I like this Guestoberfest too because we've had two – newbies who, who are also like happen to be other podcasters and then we had uh-huh. christina last week and mary angela this week so we got the ogs back again and then next week is very special Halloween, it's going to be super special, special and you'll find out when it happens but next it's going to be cool don't worry you'll be excited secret. We're excited. it's a secret it's a secret but we are so excited to have mary angela saavedra back on the podcast is this your is this fifth, fifth it's my fifth time, time. number five Holy number five crap. so it's I'm extra on. special I'm on episode seven. Oh, good. She wrote down 15, which episode she's on. 33, 43, and now 75. Woo! Wow. I You're love our it. longest running guest. I am. It, it fits because we record in your house. <laughs> it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. If we ever have a busy week, we're like, Mary Angela, you want to talk about Are something you free this, this week? Sunday? Um, you want to talk about something on the yeah, podcast? Yeah, super exciting. But we're very glad to have you. Mary Thank Angela you. is always an awesome, awesome guest on our show. And she yes. has had some. Some of our best episodes have been Mary Angela episodes. So we're very excited to have you back again. Thank you. Hashtag Debbie House. Do you have <laughs> anything going on? This episode comes out the week before Halloween. So, no. <laughs> I mean, I will. I'm having a Christmas show, which is going to be really funny. Um, it's about Cindy Lou Who, grown up. Uh, and she talks about what happened to her after the Grinch stole Christmas and that whole experience. She grew up... Um, a little dark, a little twisty, a little hilarious. So uh, that's going to be the show. And it's going to be starting Kate Bianco. Ooh. Nice. Which I'm really excited about. But that won't be till December. So it's not really upcoming. But it's coming. We'll keep y'all posted. <laughs> but thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, me at this point, I, this should be before. I still have the 25th and the 26th of the Rocky mm-hmm. Horror Drag Queen show at Punchline Philly. Tickets for that are at dragtickets.com. And other than that, I am at <laughs> I am at Terror Behind the Walls most nights. Hopefully at this point, I'm still in Songbird. That's every Wednesday at Latage at 8 p.m. And yeah, I've got uh, Terror Behind the Walls until the 8th and 9th of November. That's when it closes. Oh, wow. It goes into November. It does. It yeah. starts at the end of September, runs through all of October, and goes through the first weekend of November. Nice. So it's going to be a good time. Ooh. Spoopy. So, yeah, um, let's get into it. Yeah, we're really, yeah, we're let's excited. Just, let's do it. Stephanie, Sarah, Mary Angela, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Okay, well, I'm not actually talking about ghosts That's this okay. time. Well, God damn it. <laughs> I think. I should have mentioned that ahead of time. Leah, or Leah, not Leah. Uh, 
Deanna and Shane are the only ones who talked about ghosts talked so about far ghosts, on yes. Guestoberfest. Okay. <laughs> so it's because all the other times I've been on, I've talked oh, no, about I'm like excited. weird stuff no, and ghosts and, and things like that. So um, I decided because you guys do a lot of true crime. I started thinking about it, you know, because you guys tell some pretty scary true crime stories. And I'm like, God, what must it have been like to you know those people or be neighbors to those people? And I started thinking, and I'm like, actually, I've been one degree of separation from some pretty awful true crime a few times in my life. And I didn't really realize it until I started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, I should tell you guys about that because I, I was like, I don't think you guys know that, which is why when you tell these stories, I'm all just like. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. It can happen. Ooh. Yeah, around. So that's what I'm gonna talk about today is some true crime. And I have a question. Do you want me to put it in order of like what I consider like least to best, or do you want me to put it in date order? Is chronological better for you? Because it spans like several decades, um, or just you know at random point and talk. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I'd say least to best. Like okay. start with what you like think is your not least as, intriguing was, right. up to your most intriguing. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, I can definitely do that. So yeah, let's talk about uh my friend Becky, uh, who will never listen to this podcast. So I'm not I mean not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use her full name. You but know what? We thought call that about Sawyer and Sawyer is now listening to the podcast. So Sawyer, <laughs> when you make Sawyer it to this episode year and a half and he year and a half started guys, listening. He's listening now and he just reminded me he texted and he was like, Oh my God, I forgot I was supposed to come on your show as a character of the ghost dick. And I'm like, Yeah, well it's because you don't listen to the show. So he's listening now. So Sawyer, when you finally make it to this episode, thanks for finally jumping on the dead time stories train. So be careful, Becky, if you end up listening. Sorry, girl. Yes. Uh, sorry, not sorry. So uh, Becky and I were friends since fifth grade, like met her as a 10 year old. We were thick as thieves all through junior high. We like walked to school every day because it was like two and a half miles to my school each way. Like, you know, hours and hours of just conversations. I thought I knew this person pretty forward and backward. I was even in her wedding, like she married my at that time stepbrother and like, you know, I was part of that. And over the years we, you know, off and on, she'd live somewhere far away and then she'd move closer and I'd see her and like, you know, I consider this person like a very tight person who I thought I knew everything about. Um, she lived with me for a period of time in college. She came to visit me in college. So one of those people like you would never suspect anything would happen or she could be involved in anything nefarious. So fast forward to like, I want to say 1999. Yeah. Cause I didn't talk to her for like four years. Um, and then she found me again, but anyway, we'll get to that. So yeah, around, around 1999, um, you know, we're having one of our like annual phone conversations, like how are things going? What's going on in your life? And she's like, well, I'm in kind of a lot of trouble. And I was like, what the hell happened? And she's like, well, you know, like I've been working at this cab company. She was a dispatcher. One of those people you call up and you're like, I need a cab at blah, blah, blah. And the person's like, cool, let me get you a cab. So she was doing that and she met a guy there who she dated. Like he worked there. I guess he was a cabbie or whatever for a while. And things went sour and they broke up. And she said that she's in trouble because she's like being prosecuted for, I guess, what do you call it? Um, When you like want to hire a hitman or you, it's like conspiracy murder, solicitation of murder, something like that. It's got a title. Anyway, it's what she told me. Sorry. It was 1999. That was like 20 years ago. It's it's a little little rusty, a little rusty in my memory. But anyway, whatever the official charge is for that. 
And I said, wait, I'm sorry, you tried to hire someone to kill somebody? And she said, no, 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 it's been all a big misunderstanding. And I said, start from the beginning. Like, I need to know what the heck happened. Help like, me understand. Right, like right. what went on. Help me turn this from a misunderstanding into an understanding. Right, because you're a person I've known since fifth grade. And I think you're telling me you're getting ready to go to jail because you, you tried to hire to somebody, somebody to kill someone. Tell me about it. And so her MO for every relationship she's ever been in is that it's turned abusive. And when I talked to my stepbrother, my former stepbrother, who had been married to her for a while, whom she said abused her, he said, it's all her. Like she flips out and tries to attack you and you're just like self-defending to try and be like, please stop all of this. And he's a guy who I didn't know very well, but like my mom married his dad. And so we were close-ish. And I'm like, I was looking at this person as he was telling me this. And I'm like, i I believe you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know why you would, because it just seems weird that every guy she's ever been with has been abusive to her. And I'm like, hmm, ev- like, are you just really picking winners or like what's happening right now? And when she married my stepbrother, I was like, he's the nicest guy you're ever going to marry. Like brought up Mormon, like just really, really sweet dude. And then all of a sudden they moved to Alaska and he goes crazy and tries to kill her and attacks her and she's miserable and she needs help and all this stuff. So she tells me the story that this guy that she's now dating at the cab company is has turned abusive on her. And that's why they broke up. And she says she just wanted to hire somebody to kick his ass. She just wanted someone to beat him up. Just give him a little scare. Right. Just to like spook him because he was such an asshole to her. Now, what I'm thinking happened was he probably dumped her because she's crazy. And she was all like, yeah, I'm crazy. And now I'm going to hire somebody to beat you up because I'm crazy. That's my theory. I was like, and I know this person. I thought I knew her really well. But like hindsight the last 20 years I've been thinking about this situation I'm like no I'm pretty sure girl is just bananas um but anyway she says that she asked somebody at the cab company if they knew anyone she could pay to beat him up now I remember I said he worked for the cab company yeah he was a driver so all those guys are like his friends like why would you ask one of them like do you know someone who can beat up your friend because I'm gonna beat up your friend so what they did was they called the police and they were like, hey, I think this girl's going to do something bad to my friend and hire somebody to do something bad to my friend. What do we do? And the cops were like, OK, we're going to send in somebody undercover. You're going to set us up to meet her and we're going to talk to her. And if money exchanges hands, we can arrest her. So that was the caveat. She could ask all about it. She could do whatever she wanted. But if she actually put money in the cop's hand, then he was going to arrest her. Because that's not solicitation. Right. Because right, you paid for it. <laughs> right. Asking about it is not a crime. Paying someone to do it is a crime. Good to know. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you can investigate all you want. Good to you know. just can't actually do it. When I, was I got some people I could have from, beat up. <laughs> from watching the show Cops, I used to tell my mom, I want to be one of those cops that pretends to be a hooker. And then right up when they're supposed to have sex, I arrest them. <laughs> And my mom was like, no. <laughs> you were that's like, that's not what six. you want to do with your life. She's I was, like, no. I was probably like 10. I was probably like 10. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to trick, I want to like trick them into giving me their money for sex. And then it's like, boom, you're under arrest. Your mom's like, oh, life goals. God. My mom was like, girl, you're 10. <laughs> At least I won't have to pay for college, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So they set her up and the. Police officer shows up and they have a conversation. And initially she was talking about having him beat up. But she says she also asked how just much curious, it would be. Just out of curiosity. To, to take him out. murder to take him. him out. 
And the cop like made up some number, and then she was like, "Okay, I I don't want that to happen. Thank God, I don't I want." Was I, curious. I, right, yeah, I was just curious. So it's fifty dollars to to kick his ass. Oh, that's yeah. a good deal. So she pulled out fifty dollars <gasps> and she put it in the man's hand, oh, and they and arrested like, her. You're under arrest. Oh. Yep. So, dream job. Damn. yeah, dream job. <laughs> I just so want to trap people. <laughs> she went to court, and of course, the guy testified about how he never hit her, he never was abusive to her. Like she's crazy. She would attack him, like all this stuff, and that she, you know, bottom line, he didn't believe that she would. He really believed that she would hire someone to actually kill him, like mm-hmm. basically, because he was trying to get her to, you know, be in prison as long as humanly possible. So she was sentenced to like three years, but only had to serve 17 months. But she spent 17 months in jail for soliciting that. And I was like, cool, I'm not speaking to you anymore. (laughs) It's like, we're done. We are done being friends. Just like gone girl. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I thought I knew you, but I don't know you. Like, I got a wine bottle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Y'all remember that part? No. Oh yeah, I had to think about it. Yeah. I only saw that movie once, and I was deeply disturbed. Also. I read, yeah. Well, I, me and Christina read the book, which I read the book because when the movie was coming out, I was like, David Fincher and Trent Reznor are involved in this movie, so it's probably something good. Let me read this book right quick. And I read the book, listening to the soundtrack, which was a great idea. Um, and I remember Christina had recommended it. She was like, I think you'd really like it. And I'm like, isn't it about like this guy's wife goes missing and maybe he did it, maybe he didn't? And Christina was like, that's only the first half. And then I was like, <laughs> what's the twist? And then I was like, oh, shit. But that that's was it. Good. She's uh, she's some gone girl shit. We're it's like, too bad we've already watched that together. That'd be a good I was like, it you, would I be a great I seen it. Yes. I was mm-hmm. like, you did I seen it to me before I seen it existed. It's so good. <laughs> it's such a good movie. But that's that girl, man. Yeah, she's like, oh, yep. I happen to like these crazy people keep it coming into my life when really like she's she's crazy, like framing she's the them one. for being crazy. So four years later, she calls me. She she tracks <gasps> I down. The story was done. It's not quite done. She tracks down my. This is her least interesting story. <laughs> I know. Shit. <laughs> she tracks down my phone number by calling my former stepmother to try and get my number. Who the woman at that point hadn't talked to me in a really long time, um, but she you know was like, here's her number. Like, I, unless she's changed it, this is the number. And she tracked me down in North Carolina. And we talked for a couple hours on the phone. Turns out she was married to another uh, abusive guy, but she was pregnant now, so she was going to have a baby. And I was like, that's cool. I, I, we're, I'm okay. Like, I I basically ended the conversation friendly and was like, you know, because I knew I was actually moving to Chicago in like two months after that. I'm certainly not suspecting you of anything crazy. I was like, she may very well have thought that I stayed in North Carolina. I honestly don't know. But yeah, I had to. So that's it. That's a, it's not like a crazy kick. Damn. I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, you call me after four years. And, er, nope. Nope, 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 nope. So that was my first little thing about I mean, I guess it, it is true crime. I mean, she did get convicted. So it's, 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 it's true. She it's, committed it's true, a crime. And she it's committed crime. a crime. Right. It's that part's true. So another one from my youth is at the same place that I met 
Becky actually. So um, in fifth grade, I lived in Northern Virginia in like, you know, Chantilly, little like townhouse community place. Um, you know, everybody's pretty close in townhouses. You can see the person like diagonal across from you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all your neighbors, my friend Kevin lived across the street. Um, like, yeah, he's coming to the housewarming party next week and I'm super excited about that. Sorry. Side story. Um, he's a character. He is. So Anyway, I knew everybody, and in sixth grade, I was there in fifth grade, then sixth grade is my second year there, and the school is literally diagonal behind our houses. So there's, like, my row of houses, a sideways perpendicular row of houses like this, and my school is right behind it. And so we're all real close to each other, and I walked past this girl Layla's house. She was on the little, you know, you have a cut through in a neighborhood where you Mm -hmm. cut through the houses to get to the thing on the other side, and the cut through was on her house. Her house was on that corner, and she was really sweet, and she had... Two older sisters, yeah, that one went to junior high and one went to high school. And all the high schools are, like, nestled in the neighborhood, so we're all real close. And, you know, I thought she was pretty cool. She always dressed really nicely, and she was a really nice girl. And one day, I want to say it was winter because I remember wearing a coat, but it might have been, like, late fall or early spring because, sorry, I was in sixth grade. <laughs> but I definitely there was a coat involved. You don't remember it like it was yesterday? No, I, I don't. And I only remember because after I found out – like walking back past her house. And I remember that I had this jacket that had a hood and I wanted to like pull the hood over my head and just walk past the house. But I didn't. Instead, I was like, you're going to have to walk past this house every day because this is how you get to school. So like suck it up and be okay with it. But that day we all went to school and they took everybody in the sixth grade, three sixth grade classrooms, and they pulled us all together and they made this like announcement to us. And as it turned out, my friend Layla was shot in the stomach in the middle of the night and her entire family was killed. (gasps) She was the only survivor because she just got shot in the stomach, but everybody else was like assassination style. And they told us at the time that it was her dad, that her dad had flipped out and killed everybody in the house and then killed himself. But Layla can't kill yourself. Right. Which Layla survived um, because she was only shot in the stomach. And that was horrific enough (laughs) to be like this whole family of people like right here, like, dear God, like, oh, my God. And she was in the hospital. She was going to be okay at that point, they thought, but she was in critical condition. Um, And so the next thing I remember is, I mean, A, everybody talking about it and everybody being like, dear God, and all the police tape around that house. And like, there's just a lot of investigation and stuff that was happening. And it was very, very unsettling because, you know, then you start thinking like, you know, I heard what I thought were firecrackers in the middle of the night last night. That wasn't that. That was these gunshots. Like, you know, and actually it wasn't middle of the night. It was more like early in the morning because I people in the neighborhood were talking about, we do remember, we, you know, we're just kind of like, oh, now that you mention it. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, some kids out back with the firecrackers again or whatever. We all live really close to each other. It could be anything, a truck backfiring, who knows? But no, it was this whole family being murdered and she never came back to school and initially I was just like, well, that makes sense. She's not well. Also, what are you going to say to people when you come back to school? Like go stay with your grandparents in another state. That's probably a better idea. You know, who knows? Turns out she actually went in to witness protection and they relocated her. Like she got adopted or went into foster care, did something, but she got a name change and she went away because it ended up that it wasn't wasn't her dad dad flipping out. Yeah. So they found out through like, 
I guess it was before computers, so maybe it was files. I honestly have no idea because I, I was in elementary yeah. school. <laughs> but somehow in the forensics of it all, they figured out that he didn't actually turn the gun on himself. They figured out that he was involved with some pretty terrible people mob-wise. Oh. And she did always dress really well for living in the townhouse section of our neighborhood. Like there are other sections, like you know how those neighborhoods went yeah. in the 80s where it was like, you know, apartments first, then townhomes, then the single family homes, then the big, big family homes, then the McMansions at the top. That that was my neighborhood and all the schools were nestled in between this whole neighborhood and she lived in the townhouse part but dressed like she belonged in a McMansion and I always kind of wondered about that like what was up with that so we think it was probably the mob most likely wow. and he did something and they took out his whole family and they just didn't know that and they did, that they didn't get her um, because she was the youngest she was the youngest daughter she had two older sisters so uh, yeah so I mean I have no idea what her name is today I have no idea where she lives Damn. I hope she got lots of help and I hope that it's okay because she was a really sweet person but I know that it took me and luckily I only had I went to junior high and seventh grade which was a different school so I only had the rest of that year to finish like having to walk past, past that house, house every day but I know that like it took them like maybe eight months to clear it out and by the time summer came new people were moving in and I remember just being like gross why <laughs> you know like why don't they just de- demolish that house like just close that nobody wants to know it's that a, house you know. Is made way cheaper <laughs> <Somebody dies laughs> that. well somebody moved into it but uh yeah so that was a, a little super too close for comfort Oof. situation where i'm like i can't even imagine what it would have been like to have been the family who actually shared the wall with them like the townhouse on the other side like you know and how awful to you know lose your whole family in one night and like, you know, what would be worse, you know, going with them or being the one that had to stick around after. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that yeah. is such a hard And she was question. so nice and so sweet. I remember really liking her. We used to play Barbies at the park. She was with a really Debbie? nice girl. <laughs> Not with Debbie. Different house. <laughs> don't ask, yeah, if she was ever there for Debbie house. No, diff- different house in Northern Virginia. Whew. That's so, intense. Sorry. That's, yeah. That's my, my depressing this one. And then this one doesn't get any better. Um, okay. We're going to fast forward now, and I'm in high school. And this is one where you can actually Google his name and put the word crime after it because it's so long ago. You'll need that to dig it up. But you can Google his name and put crime, and you will get all the stories about this case. And, you know, like, it was always on my periphery as, like, like when it happened – it was one of those things that you just squish down. You're like, oh, that didn't – I don't need to remember that. And then you go off the college and you start smoking weed and you suddenly just start like forgetting about it. And then something happens. And then you trip LSD and you remember it. <laughs> right. Something happens where you – it like kicks up for you and you're like, God, I was really close to that. And so what happened was it it came up somewhere. I think like the – an anniversary of it or a something. It was – a no, I know what it was. It was a friend of mine or a person I know on Facebook from our school, from Virginia Beach. And they were like, does anybody remember this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I don't even think you know how close to that I actually was, which is why I had squashed it down so far. I was like, this is really terrible. So I went to high school in Virginia Beach. Everybody knows I went to high school in Virginia Beach. Great little beach school called First Colonial High School. Uh, most of the people that went to school there either lived at the beach, the surrounding neighborhoods, or on military housing because Oceana's right there and it all fed into FC. Now there's a whole separate school called Ocean Lakes, which all the military housing people go to. But now it's all into one little school. So because of that, our school was super crowded. You had to share a locker until you were a senior. When you were a senior, you got your own locker. But sophomores, and by the way, there was no ninth graders here. Ninth grade was in junior high. Mm. But all the sophomores and juniors 
had to share lockers with each other and you don't really get to choose if you have a friend in your first period class you're one of the lucky few who could be like yay you and me we're gonna be locker buddies this is gonna be awesome <laughs> but if you're not the teacher is like cool your last names are close enough in the alphabet that you're great great you guys are the, you're, you're a locker buddy. you're locker there buddies you so three lockers down from mine, um, me and this guy, Rick, who had been an ex-boyfriend of mine from eighth grade, but that's a whole nother story, um, <laughs> had ended up in the same first homeroom. And we were like, Yee, okay, this isn't awkward. You don't know anybody. I don't really know anybody in here. Let's be locker mates. Great. Here's our locker. Three lockers down is my friend. And I, I'm i going to get her name wrong. I, I seem to remember it's an A name. So it's like Alice or Alicia or Amy. It's definitely an A name, but I honestly can't remember for sure. We weren't like besties or anything. Yeah. I just, I knew her from class and from a couple other classes we had together. Anyway, her locker's two lockers down. She shared her locker with a guy named Sean. His name is Sean Novak. And he was a super weird dude. Uh, weird in just the way he behaved, weird in the way he dressed, weird in the way he looked. Like, and I hate to like judge people and be like, you're just a weirdo, but he really was. You know, sometimes you just meet people and you're like, something's not quite right yep. about you. Yep. And I can't but be like, you're not mean to me. You're not a bully. You're not an asshole. Just you're, off. you're just off. And um, she was telling me about that at lunch one day. And she was just like, he's so weird. Like, I don't go to my locker anymore. And I said, why? Like, he's, you can't be around him. She's like, it's not even that. It's that I don't know what I'm going to find in my locker. And I said, like, drugs? They're like, what? You know, like, I was such a straight edger in high school. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, should we call the narcs? Like, what should we do? Um, but she said he would bring, like, dead animals. Oh, that was going to be my to question. school. And she said at first it was like little, like, you know, it would be like, oh, this, you know, mouse. She's like, which is gross enough. But then it would be like a chipmunk or, or like, or what, you know, what are those little, the little woodlandly chipmunks? Yeah, chipmunks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, because it wasn't a squirrel. She was like, it was never a squirrel. But anyway, it was that. And then one day it was a dead bird on a string. So oh. he had tied the feet up like a necklace and he put it on the string and then he'd hung it from the little hook that's supposed to be there for your jacket and your locker. And she opened the thing and was like, okay. And so she's just not going anymore. And I said, have you like talked to anybody? Have you told a guidance counselor? Have you been like, this guy's got whatever? And she says, yes, I did. And they came in and they like searched it and they took stuff out and he's in trouble and all of that. And she's like, but now I'm scared to go around him because he's in trouble. And I think, I think he knows it's me. And I was like, this, there's nothing wrong with what you did. He was bringing dead animals in. Like, yeah. that's really freaking gross. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I just, it's better for me to just carry my books around. Like, yeah. I just backpack it up. And then if I don't have the book that day, I'll share it with somebody else. Cause I'm not going to that locker. And so I said, of course you can use my locker. Like I've got room. Me and Rick is, you know, he's a football player. He doesn't have a whole lot of books in there. He's not really going to the locker much. It's cool. Sorry to prejudge football players, but anyway, sharp tack. And um, yeah, so she would come to my locker and that's how I'd see her. And he would, make things kind of uncomfortable for her when he would go to his locker three lockers down and she'd be at our locker in between classes and I'd try to like make light of it and we noticed things about him like he would wear um shirts with like Charles Manson on it and he would like do like one day he showed up with the Manson cross on his head and 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 people of course other high schoolers are like what the you know, held it and like talking to him about it. And he'll talk to you about it. He really idolized Charles Manson. He thought he was like a genius that like nobody understood what he was trying to do, the blah, blah, blah. And we all just thought he was a weirdo shit. You know what I mean? Do you think he killed those animals that were in his locker or that he found them? I don't know. Like that's a, that's a good that's question. Because that's a sign of a, of a sociopath. Right. 
is I mean, you start murdering animals. Right. He did have to walk. So where the uh, military housing was and where the school was. So, by the way, in Virginia Beach, you only get bus to school if you live more than two and a half miles away from school. You are expected to get to school on your own if you live within two and a half miles. Because you can walk or you can bike or you can whatever. Do something. Right. So where they were, the military housing is the furthest out. And there actually is, because it's around the military base, a whole lot of wooded area that you then have to cross through to get to the neighborhood that then feeds to where the school is. So he had the furthest walk. It, I mean, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say okay, he that he found them. Say maybe he found them. Okay. It was just like, cool, I got them. And now I'm going to just bring them. And sure. Whatever. Either way, it seemed like a big obsession with death. And that just seemed really weird. And then when the Charles Manson stuff started happening, like that was also very strange. And I was in theater so I had friends who played in D&D groups. They were like, you know, different groups that would meet on Saturdays or they would like be conferences or whatever. And a friend of mine from theater was like, oh, I saw him at a D&D conference playing one time. He's a total weirdo. Like all of his stuff. Like when you play D&D, there's some fantastical element and there is, you know, obviously death and murder and whatever. Yeah. But, but within a certain scope. Yeah. And when you're that guy in the game who's always trying to take things down this really dark and twisty way when everyone else is trying to be like, but I'm Let's a, have fun. Like, like a two-headed warlock right. and I'm going to, you know, and then this guy is all like, and I'm going to blah, 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 you know. And he said that basically he made it, they made it so uncomfortable that my friend was like, I'm leaving this game. Like he, he basically purposely killed himself in the game so he could leave wow. the game because he was like, I'm going to move to a different room where that guy's not because that guy's making me uncomfortable. So all these things kind of layered on top of each other. And at the time, like, you don't think about it. You're a kid. I got other things to think about. I got whatever. I'm just like, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is that in March, two boys from the military housing went missing. And they found them a day and a half later, two, roughly two days later, led by Sean Novak, who basically led them to his, their bodies. He had killed them. He was, was seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. Was he open about... No, he led them he to was... them as part of the, like, let me search them. I knew these boys, whatever. And then... I walked this way to school. Yep. And so then it they found out because they found the knife. They found things. They got fingerprints. They got stuff. And then finally he admitted it to them. But that was, like, days later. When they found them, they found them because he was, like, head of this neighborhood... Exp- or wasn't head, but oh, was helping the help. neighborhood. Oh, let me help. Right. I can... Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he took them out into the woods and um, nearly beheaded one of them and stabbed the other one. They said it was like suffocation and and stabbing was the other one. And the other, the, the older boy, the 10-year-old, he tried to decapitate him. I feel like I have heard this story. You, yeah, I'm sure you have. It was a big deal. And it was a big deal for a couple reasons. First of all, there was a very close-knit community in Virginia Beach. Military housing is like, that's family. When you're, you know, his the, the mother of one of the boys was out in the Persian Gulf War. She was out on a ship. Um, so she wasn't even home. And that's the thing, you know, like when you're when you have a parent that's out deployed, your community is your family. They're yeah. all picking up the pieces. There's wives clubs, there's spouses, there's like whatever. So for boys to go missing, that was a big deal. Then it was a second big deal for them to turn up dead, like in that neighborhood. Like, what the hell? Like, that's just not that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen at all. And then for it to end up being a 16-year-old boy. I know why I remember this is because his big quote when he was in court of why was that he was like, I just wanted to see what it would feel like to yep. kill someone. Yep. And That's, then, I, yeah, I'm like, this sounds so familiar. And his, Damn, Mary Angela. He was three lockers down from me. <laughs> 
three lockers down. And my friend shared a locker with him until she could share a locker with him no more. Um, Not that yeah. I'm glad that he killed those two boys, but I am glad he didn't kill your friend. Yeah. Because yeah. I definitely thought that's where that was going. Well, no. I bet with, I'm assuming he probably wasn't the most physically imposing guy. It makes sense yeah. that he would grab two small children. children. Yeah. What really was upsetting to, I mean, us more than the fact that we were like, we know this kid. We went to school with this kid. And this kid was just like, I just wanted to see it. His attorney, his defense attorney tried to plead basically possession he tried to say that he was possessed by the game D and D and tried to like gosh. quote all these things from him playing these games and how this game. And so of course all my friends in the theater community who are playing this game are like, this is like total no, BS. He brought his like, fucked aptitude to, to D &D. this game. Right. D and D did not make him fucked up. And there were several, not my friend, my friend Brian, but like other people that like, um, played the game were called in to be witnesses and stuff like stuff that had, had like happened. Yeah. Is it's pretty rough. And it's one of those things where you're like, should we have seen that coming? Like, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of, you think, wow, that person's a little bit off. That person's a little bit weird. Do you think that person can take two kids into the back of the woods and kill them? No. And then it happens and you're like, shit. Well, like that mm. makes me think about when Parkland happened. So like that school shooting in Florida, all of the kids were like, that guy was weird. He was not bullied. It's not that people made fun of him. He, he was, was antisocial and was creepy and made threats to people all the time. And we talked about it. We spoke out about it. And no one did anything because he hadn't hurt anyone. He just was weird and made people uncomfortable and threatened people all the time. And when he came in and he was the one who did it, they were all like, none of us were surprised. We all knew he was creepy and weird and that he was going to hurt somebody. And it was just a matter of time. Yeah. And I think that was the same thing in our school. Like none of us, I mean, we were all shocked by what had happened. None of us were particularly shocked by who? that it had been him, him and that that was what had happened. Where we were like, okay. So the court system in Virginia Beach. Because he was how old at the time? He 16? was 16. So he didn't get tried till he was 17 and he missed the death penalty because of his age. So they... um Sentenced him to 40 to life in prison is his official um, mm -hmm. term. Sentence, yeah. Sentence. At that time, so prior to 1995, there was still a pretty, like, I would consider it lax, if you will, parole system for people convicted as youth that then age up in the system. So prior to 1995, after you hit your 20 years, you can apply for parole. And, um, and maybe it's 25. I'm not sure if it's 20 or 25. Anyway, you can do it at 1995. They realized that that was a terrible idea because they were, you know, convicting people of pretty serious crimes who were technically underage and then became of age in the system. And then suddenly they could, you know, apply for parole and be like, I've been in prison for 20 years and I was a child when I came in. It's like, mm -mm. like there's some still did this right. There thing. are some crimes where you're like, you were, you plenty understood. You were a child, you're not going to grow out of that kind of crazy. Right. So that law changed in 1995. However, he was convicted in 1992. So he fell within this law. And in 2012, he came up for his first round of parole. And the whole family had to show up in court and had to testify to, like, why? Who cares? Like, who cares that that was, you know, 20-some-odd years ago? Like, that you can't – who cares? It doesn't matter that the severity of the crime means keep him, keep him for life. You know, his sentence is only 40, 40 to life, but, like, this is to life. He should have had the death penalty – because he didn't, boom. So they had to relive it. Every three years since then, 
come they've, up again. They've got to go back. Every three years. And he's applying every... Oh, every three years. Every three years. And so, like, online, it was weird because I wasn't expecting this when I looked it up online to be like, you know, what's going there's on? There's recent... I saw recent articles. Uh-huh. And there's like a picture... There's a picture of him, like, now as an as my age and it was really freaky to look at it because I see him in there and I still see who he was and I'm just like, Oh yep. Nope. That's you. And I still see even in that picture. And I'm like, yeah, there's just, I just pray that, you know, his, the family of these boys keeps going back as painful as it is every three years and says their peace and that the court system is like, yeah, right. Because I just think no matter what, I don't care how old he was and how long he spent in there. I don't think there's rehabilitation from that. I just don't think there's, I just wanted to see somebody die. So I decided to do it. I think that's where you start to have that question of like, are some people just born evil? evil? Like just inherently evil. Like there's just no way around it. And what What? happened with his parents? Do you know? I don't. Um, I'm pretty sure they left. Like I'm pretty sure they moved. Um, because I, if I'm not mistaken, I think, I'm not sure if they were military or if they were civilian working with the military. And I honestly don't know if he actually lived on military housing or if he just lived close. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I don't know those end of deals, but I know, I know that it was really bad around all of that. And then it kind of, you know, dissipated and I would suspect they left. I can't imagine why you would stay Mm-mm. in that community. Like, how no. do you look your neighbors in the face after that? Like, I'm, how do you? It's weird. I'm always very curious about the parents of people who mm-hmm. do those things because like you said because some people you t- we talk a lot about like nature versus nurture when it comes to people doing these kind of things and like what did their parents do to make them this way but also like to me the scariest idea the reason i've always been fascinated by like evil children movies is because to me the scariest idea is that your child killed someone else because what do you what do you do in that situation um, and then there's there's the book and movie we need to talk about Kevin yep. yeah with um, Tilda Swinton is in the movie and her husband is John C Riley and her whole his, her son's whole life like she knew there was something off about her son mm-hmm. and no one ever listened to her because they're like oh boys will be boys like he's just being weird he's just acting out and she always knew that there was something about her son. And then her son did a mass shooting at the school and killed a bunch of kids at the school. And, like, you don't the, – the book takes place after the fact, so you don't know what happened just yet. But she's in this town where, like, all of the parents, like, all give her these looks. Like, everyone tells her she doesn't belong, that she shouldn't be there. And it's because her kid killed their kids. And the most – like, of all the things that happened in the movie, the part that I remember – I found the most unsettling and it's weird because it's not a really scary or creepy part. But yes. This part really freaked me out was she's grocery shopping and she has a carton of eggs in her cart and she's going down the aisle and she sees a mom that's like a mom of one of the kids and she just like can't deal with it and she kind of like goes away from the aisle. She leaves her cart and she comes back and the woman's gone. So she goes to check out and when the associate is ringing her out, she rings the eggs and the eggs are wet and she opens it. And all of the eggs inside the carton are broken. And she looks up and that other mom is there staring at her because she went and broke every fucking egg in that carton. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Right. It was just really unsettling. And then the cashier is like, oh, like, we'll get you another pack. And she's like, I'll just take them. I'll just take them. Like, she just wants to get out as soon as possible. And I'm just like, God, that's so terrifying to me. Like, if you 
No, it's your child. Like every instinct in your body is to take care of and protect your child. But when you know that your child is harming or going to harm someone else, what do you even do in that situation? Well, there's in my high school hometown in Wiley, after I graduated, but when my brother was still there, these two boys killed another boy um, in the school and they got caught because they killed him. They wrapped him up in a carpet and they were trying to stuff him in a sewer drain and they had parked their car. So like, I know exactly where the spot is. Like it was right next to, it was over by the mall, like right on the street. And they had parked their car on the side of the road and like walked down. It was like kind of a ditch because there's a little creek there and was trying to shove him. And the cops showed up and they were like, what are you guys doing? And I think one of them said like, oh, we were hiding a body. Well, one of those boys was the son of a woman in our church. He was part of the youth group. And my mom was loose church friends with the woman. Mom. And oh. as far as I know, that mom is still living in Wiley. Her son is in prison and going through all of that stuff. But she's like, what do one, you do? Yeah. One what do you the, do? One of the mothers of one of the Columbine shooters um, I know has given a TED Talk. Yeah. But she has made it her mission now to speak out about like what what you do and what it's like to go through that when your child does something like that. And I'm like, that's that's helpful. I mean, you know what I mean? Because I think people don't know. I mean, it's do you do? You also have to realize, like, as much as you're like, that's my child. That's also, I mean, they're their own person. They're their own human being. And oh, like, you're yeah. not responsible for right. their, but and that's so that's exactly so because hard. So many times people are like, well, you're the mother. Like, what did you do to your child? And I'm like, what I did didn't you make do him to make them that way? Things. Right. And so for her to make it her mission to be like, you know, like, it's horrible. It's not you. It's yeah. not you. Like, you can recover from it. But like, you're, here's what you watch out for and here's how you can try and prevent it and this is as much as you can do and this is how you try and come back from it and make your life mean something more than the horrible thing that your child did. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Like, yeah. that, I think it's a good mission. They need Which that. Good for her, yeah. For sure, yeah. But that's, oof. To me, that's like so, oof. That's so intense. So yeah, that is fucking crazy and horrible. <laughs> yep. That's Damn. it. So those are the only, thankfully, those are the only three, time, three times I've ever been like, you know, one degree of separation from any kind like of that. Yeah. major wow. crimes. And I'm just like, okay, that's I'm good. I'm good for this lifetime. I don't ever need to. I don't and need any more. I need to say I use the Citizen app and I'm thinking of just of deleting it from my phone because it's a real problem for me. So are you familiar with the Citizen app? No. Is it like alert you when stuff is going on uh-huh. in the neighborhood? So it yeah. puts, you know, here's my house, boom. And then you get these different leveled alerts, white, yellow, and red. Uh, red are the ones where like people have died and yellow are the ones that are like, this was kind of bad as burglary. It was something like you need to know about. And white is like, there's this like mild fight happening or like somebody's loitering or like you know, something that's whatever. Yeah. White. Uh, yeah. And it sends you alerts. Um, for anything yellow and red. And, you know, it's really troubling to get a text message where it's just like, hey, residential robbery in progress at this address. And you look at the address. A block from your and, house. Yeah, and it's like 151 East Duval Street. And you're like, cool. I mean, that's over there by like three blocks, but it's three blocks the other side of Germantown. And I'm only two blocks off Germantown. So it's really just five blocks away from me. I don't need me. that in my life. And I was like, someone's breaking into to a house over there. And I'm like, well cool, I've got ADT and I feel pretty protected in this niche here, but 
Yeah, I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that there was a guy with a gun seen, you know, two blocks away. Val, and sometimes it's better to just not time. know. Yeah, Val I need has to just a police it. scanner app. Uh-oh. And anytime there's like, we hear cop cars like rush by our house, Val's like, I got to listen to this. And it always kills me because I'm just like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go over there and help him out? Like Pull up Mr. Incredible and Frozone from the Incredibles. <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to do? Why are you listening? And I was like, I just need to know. I just need to know. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to can, know. You can take that into the other room, please. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if we're, we'll be watching TV and if we hear like, three cop cars go by, Val will pause whatever is on and open the police scanner. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, they're also, they're going to mostly just be talking a lot and you're going to be trying to figure out what's going on. And second, like, what are you going to do with that information? Nothing. Talk yeah. about it on a podcast. <laughs> my initial thinking was like, get to know my neighborhood. Like, let's just see. Because I know that I live in what they consider like, you know, a moderate to low crime area here, you know, but I just want to see. And the truth is, is that most of the crime is on the peripheries here and that's cool. But like, I, yeah, I, I don't need to know. That it's that close. I need to just be like, I protected my shit. I'm fine here. Like, I'm just going to delete that shit off my phone because I don't need that kind of anxiety in my life. It makes me think of, like, the methods that that people go through to protect themselves. Um, And we can get really deep into it, but I'm not going to. But just in general, where I'm like, but to me, there are ways I can protect myself and I try to be safe. But to me, the idea that I have to be on alert all the time is much scarier to me than like the one off of something happening. And I've been mugged twice. And I remember somebody telling me like, you need to start carrying a weapon. And I'm like, in neither of those situations do I feel like my outcome would have been better if I had a weapon on me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like both times, like they snatched something and ran. I don't feel like if I, if I had a gun, I would have shot somebody running away in the back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have, I don't feel like I would have protected myself. I feel like it would have made my situation worse. Yeah. And yeah. the idea that I feel like I need to carry a weapon and be on alert all the time and ready to use my weapon yeah. to me is a shittier way of life than sometimes shit happens and I just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. like, yeah, totally yeah. So to me, I'm just like, I don't want to live in fear all the time. I just want to live my life. <laughs> that's that's my philosophy. It's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm subscribing <laughs> to it. I'm deleting this. this I'm deleting app. this app. I'm getting, getting rid of it. I don't need that shit. Well, yeah, that so was intense. That was thank you guys for having me on to tell about my true crime story. I mean, thanks, thanks for coming Angela. on and thanks for being you <laughs> and having these experiences. You can then things. tell us about. Right. But Whew. yeah, from here on out, I'll have to actually research something if you want me back. She's on. like, I'm out of <laughs> oh, personal no. things. Right, I was like, I don't really have. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We'll make it happen. Mary Angel's going to have a Christmas show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Me again. I'm in terror behind the walls. Most nights that it runs through October or sorry, through November 9th. Um, But on Wednesdays, I'm at Songbird on October 25th and 26th. I am at the Rocky Horror Drag Queen show at Punchline Philly, where you can get tickets at dragtickets.com. And I'm at Gay Bill on Halloween, which is at Tavern on Kamak. Gay Bill is every Thursday hosted by my good friend, the marvelous Cleo Fatra. Um, but Thursday, that Thursday, the 31st, is going to be a horror musical extravaganza. So it's going to be Rocky Horror songs. It's going to be songs from Little Shop, songs from Sweeney Todd, um, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a good time. And yeah, 
If you want to support the show, of course, the best way you can do that is by subscribing to our Patreon. Please. We have one, five, and $15 subscription levels. For $1 a month, you get to join our Patreon-exclusive Facebook group where we are very active, and so are most of the people that you hear on our show. <laughs> we just send each other stupid shit. For $5 a month, you get bonus content, including I, I seen it! it, which is me telling Sarah the plot of a horror movie that she's never seen. And $15 a month gets you the Faint Flatulence Collection, yes. where once a month we send you a ghost fart, a handcrafted, hand-captured ghost fart in and a they're jar. Adorable. And they're adorable. And so Angela has a little shelf for them now she where she does. keeps them. I just need one more and then y'all can quit. I'll be fine. I'll also give you my $15, but I need one more to make to the whole little the art go. I was like, I need uh, five. And they come with a a little parchment that tells you about the ghost whose fart has been captured inside. And that's just $15 a month. Totally worth it. It's a good time. But of course, if you don't have the money, there are still other ways that you can totally support us, like by subscribing to our show, by reviewing it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Of course, following us on Instagram, Dead Time Stories, mm. all one word with a Z, or by emailing us at deadtimestories at gmail.com. Since there is some love, she loves those fan emails. She's Guys, all about please. them. Please. I don't have anything going on right now other than this podcast. She's like, I just finished a show. And if you are a theater person, you will know when you finish a show, the greatest this amount of depression. Post comes show on. depression. And for such a show, too, because we've been talking about this show for over a year. It's been in This show's been in the works for a long time, and all this work and all this effort happened, and then now it's just over. Yeah. And now I'm stuck going, what do I do now? And then my favorite question that everyone asks me that just makes me so happy is, well, what are you going to do next? What's next? What's next? Sarah, what's next? What's That's like one of my favorite questions. <laughs> I love next? that question. <laughs> a nap next? is what's next. It's but It feels like it's unacceptable to say, I'm taking a break. Then it's like, I'm well, you're a, a bad hiatus. theater person. I've been person. through a lot of things. <laughs> you're a bad theater person because you're supposed to be. Job. You're supposed to be working. There's nothing to wrong death. with taking a break. I sense. advocate for taking breaks, and as soon as my Christmas show's over, I will be taking a so break. So what are you doing next, <laughs> man? When terror is over, you what girl are you doing is next? Taking a break. I have been going nonstop since the beginning yeah. of September. I am pretty fucking exhausted between my day job and terror and Songbird, and I'm really, really ecstatic about all of the things I am working on. But my body is like shutting down. I had to yeah. leave work early yesterday. I called out from terror for the first time. And I hated it because I love doing terror. But my voice is starting to come back. Yesterday, my voice was totally shot. My body is just beat. So like I got to wrap this shit up and I got to take a little hiatus from performing until, you know, otherwise this podcast. But So give us your love. Give us your love. Give us your money. Money. Uh, Patreon, emails, but we love all of your attention. So. And stay tuned next week for our very special Halloween Ooh. episode. Ooh. We're really excited. By the way, I just got a message from Jared asking if I knew where he could find size 14 heels for tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Um, yes, for my murder mystery pageant party. It's going to be a good time. Um, thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mary Angela. And, and this, this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. Bye. Get wet.